Oh yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised Candy didn't bring up the scene when he's in his tidy whiteies eating fucking ice cream in that scene. Because well, I have a thing about tidy whiteies. I think they're stupid. <laughs> yeah, but no I'm, I'm sure he could pull that off. Tidy whiteies. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you were wearing tidy whiteies, grow up, get some boxers, be a man. <laughs> What are we waiting for? Let's do it. It seems to be a sudden general explosion of mass homicide. Candy, the final girl. No, be afraid. Be very afraid. Now I'm Shaun of the Dead. It made it us, me and the fly. We hadn't even been properly introduced. <laughs> and tonight on The House That Screams, we are talking about the 1986 David Cronenberg directed The Fly remake. Uh, let people forget that this is a remake. Uh, we have Nico Nice. I'm on to something big, something huge. Like what? His cock? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Crystal. The medicine cabinet is now the Brundle Museum of Natural History. You want to see what else is in it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Uh, and we have Dave Gurman. Drink deep or taste not the plasma spring. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like you nailed that. You really um, did. You yeah. really did know that. Like, very yeah, good, really Dave. Good. Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm going to golf clap that. <laughs> yeah, I'll do, I'll do ballroom clap. This is what I'm, when I, you see me do this, ballroom clap. Cause do, nails. The, do the uh, PM Dawn one-handed slap. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so um, I want to just jump in. Uh, I volunteer tribute to start this conversation, and I think a good place to start this is with the original film. Now, um, we are going to cover the original film, but there's a couple things that I think need to be pointed out before we launch like completely into this 1986 film, which Cronenberg fucking knocked out of the park. I'm, I should have probably said that. But anyway, um, the original Fly movie, well, of course, we all remember that Vincent Price is in it, but a lot of people don't really you know, remember any of the other people that were in it. And something that I want to remind people of in the original film, which I am a massive fan, um, I'm holding the Shout Factory 5 Blu-ray set right now in my hands for listeners. Um, it has all three of the the older The Flies and then the two uh, newer, you know, newer ones in the 80s, you know. But the the story is French, and in the uh, original film, 
Like, they did the damn thing, but they never changed the names. I remember the first time that I watched it, I was like, Francois? Who the fuck? And they're, like, American as fuck. And I'm like, Francois? What the fuck? Philippe? Like, they didn't change the names. And I'm like, I wonder why. Because somebody had to go through the process of translating this and making it American. But, like, they didn't change the names. So there was a name change for this film that had to happen. Um, we got Mel Brooks, uh, who was trying to be secretive about producing this, but like mad props about Mel Brooks is a treasure, but you know, names had to change, but I'm not like super happy about the name changes. Like the first names are okay. Maybe not Stathis, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but you know what though? Not, not the, that fits that character perfectly it because does he's such fit, a pompous yeah. ass. Kind of pompous, yeah. Yeah. Right. Stathis, Baranis. Yeah. I mean, like this is. Greek name, you know, just yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it fits him. It does. It doesn't, and, you know. He drives a Maserati, got, which fits. We've got Gina yeah. Davis in an, er, you know, an early starring role for her as Veronica, but her last name is Quaif. It's a little too close to Quaif, as I said pre-recording. <laughs> and then we've got Seth Brundle. Now Brundle is a little too close to Grundle for me. And if you don't know what Grundle is, look it up and don't be mad. Google Images. Don't don't Google it. <laughs> so, I, so I'm thinking Queef and Grundle, which are two I things I don't want to think about. So I try not to do that. But like this film, Cronenberg, you know, it is very rightfully so, you know, one of the masters of body horror. And this film, you know, built on the mythos of what was essentially sort of almost a crime drama with a bit of science fiction and horror in it in the original film. And he just made this his own. And this is one of those things like the thing, when you say the thing, people think of John Carpenter's version. And if I say the fly, people are thinking of Cronenberg's the fly. And that's my intro that, that I wanted to just throw that information out there. And I mean, you know, I, I will just jump in here real quick and just say David Cronenberg, um, the Baron of fucking blood. Hmm. Uh, this guy, you know, body horror master, uh, gave us scanners, um, <laughs> you know, video drone. Oh, video drone. And hmm. then, and then later on, um, gave me two movies that I absolutely adore: A History of Violence and Eastern Promises. Yes, uh, that's which, good. Which are, which are two great films. And but my my memory of David Cronenberg is in one of my all time favorite movies, Nightbreed. Yes, Doctor Decker. And yeah. and I absolutely love him in that film. Um, we but, gotta uh, talk about Nightbreed. We're gonna do that next. I season. can't wait. I actually have the action figure like hanging on the wall right now. Yeah. Doctor Decker. I gotta <laughs> show you. I gotta show you later, Sean. I'll show you later, Sean. Until 2022, but it's coming. I cannot wait. Um. So yeah, you can see we plan in advance. Um, so, uh, but this, this film, this is another one of those films that, you know, again, like I always say, you know, my dad and I, and our, our history of, of running horror movies. And this is one that my dad showed me. And I remember, you know, I'm a huge fan of gore and special effects. And I remember like this movie, like kind of making me a little ill Yeah. when I was a kid, you know, it was like, like. The thing that got me now, you know, of course, the, you know, just watching his body deteriorate is, a, you know, is gross enough. But the puke that comes out, mm-hmm. you know, oh, my God. And and I it was just like it was so disgusting. That's and, Idea. Yeah. And it's and it's like, you know, the way they made it, it was like a mixture of eggs and honey. And, you know, and I can totally see it. Yeah. Right. And I can totally see it now that I look at it. And I'm sure it probably tastes delicious. Yeah. 
Like that but, pea soup and the exorcism. Right. But, but, oh my God, I just remember like getting ill watching this as a kid. And I've seen this, you know, dozens of times. And the special effects in this film just never gets old. Not once. And the, you know, the, I've heard the, the allegories for AIDS and, you know, this, this, that, and the other. And, and I get it, you know, and, and I, Cronenberg had originally, like, he saw this as like, you know, uh, uh, an answer for like old age and disease and things like that. Cancer. And, and cancer and, and AIDS fits the bill, you know, and that wasn't his intention. But, you know, that's what people, you know, saw. That's what they took from it. Well, we got to think that I'm sorry, I'm just going to throw in really quick that this is the time of AIDS panic. AIDS, you know, you know, called gay cancer and, and horrible things. I mean, this is the time of that. So, you know, um, of course, it was you know, related to that. People made that association. Um, Nico. So I'm not 100%. What I'm going to say is correct. But um, I feel like I'm, am I the only one here who saw this in theaters when it first came out? Um, no, I, think I, I think I saw it in the theater. Because I met the infamous uh, Puerto Rican theater, the Grindhouse Theater in the Bronx when I lived there. I And honestly, I couldn't even tell you what the second movie was. <laughs> saw it when it came out. And fucking blew me away. The effects alone were just fucking mind blowing. And the fact and, and Jeff Goldblum, like I don't I don't think there was anybody else on this earth that that could have played that character the way that he played it. I mean, I mean honestly, I mean, you know, it's fucking Goldblum. Like, what do you what do you say to that? I mean. Uh, fucking yes the man is awesome and he's you know all the fact that he's got his own disney plus show the world according to jeff goldblum which is like i don't know if you guys have ever seen it just fucking watch it if you've never seen it it's like one of the best shows i've ever seen because it's jeff goldblum just being jeff goldblum yeah for, for a half hour and mean. i mean he covers different topics like you know you know why why do why do we get tattoos or the whole um uh like ice cream uh barbecues blue jeans sneakers like he's but i i think it all stems from this movie and i know you know he was acting prior and to this and, and park I, as well because it became- well, i was gonna get to that i was gonna get to that next i think i think you know because he was in buckaroo bonsai yeah which, which which is also another cult film but i think i think this this was the movie that really solidified him as like jeff goldblum and somebody to watch and I, I feel like um, to bring up Jurassic Park to like how you just said, I think the, the character of Ian Malcolm is more of a, a suave, cooler Seth Brundle in a in a weird way. Like if he didn't have to deal with turning into a fly. I mean, let's be honest, too. I mean, Jeff also has the uh, the rep for kind of macking on his uh, on his co-stars there. I mean, the chemistry yes, was there. I mean, I mean, let's. All right. Look, I know we're talking about the fly, but I'm going to just just to bring up what a what a pimp. And I, and I mean that in the best way possible. Jurassic Park and the scene where he's explaining the chaos theory to Laura Dern, who he eventually did marry. Yes. You forget that Alan Grant's even in the scene, Sam Neill. Right. And Sam Neill's a great Fucking actor. Sam you Neal. completely forget this. You're watching this and like the chemistry with the two and the, the both of them and how like entranced Laura yeah, Dern. Well, that's the not, that scene is she forgets that Sam Neill is even there. That's the whole right, thing. Right, right. I mean, I mean, not not hand. the character, not Dr. Sadler. I'm talking about Laura Dern. is like you see, she's like laser focused. And so into like what he's and like the, the flirting was like God, through the I roof. Get you back to the trailer, oh baby. Right, that and then for his shirts unbuttoned, kind of scene like, can we talk about a thirst trap? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
but then but then like i i kind of feel like he he um because because brundle's like the ultimate nerd he really is the ultimate nerd you know he gets he gets the pretty girl but unfortunately you know one of the things about this movie and, I, and i've always said is that it's it's a tragic love story at its heart more mm-hmm. so than a science fiction movie more so than a body horror movie it's a tragic love story where you know you're kind of rooting for these two to kind of end up with the happy ending and then you don't you don't get that there's you know, and I know, I know, I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit, no pun intended with the gun part with this movie, but you know, I, I just, um, I, I can't say enough. Like this is literally like in my, in my top five of like all time. I think even like all movies ever, this is in the top, like it's up there. Cause this is, this is like perfection. This is how you do a remake. You know what I mean? This is, <sighs> go ahead, Dave. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep gushing over it. Go ahead, Dave. This, this is, <laughs> you, you take over. still to say for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 a I'm a little per, per, per at the moment. Yeah. Over here. I'm a, um, talks amongst yourselves. <laughs> uh, Dave. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum has been with us since since Death Wish. Wasn't Death Wish his first movie? And he was this kind of weird rapist. Hey, Mama. He was like saying, and he was weird and, and unattractive. He's gotten so much better looking as he's got. He's one of those guys who gets so much better looking as he gets older. Some fine yes. wine. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna exactly. say fine wine. <laughs> and like in this, he's at this weird sort of midpoint where he's he's attractive, but he's so quirky. And where we get like, um, you know, in Ragnarok, he was well, he was quirky in Ragnarok, but he's gotten so much more. He's, he's, he's so, so great in that too. He's kinda so like, great um, in that movie. Uh, kind of like Eugene Levy. If you go back and look at old SCTV, Eugene Levy was not or a good Splash. Back then, he has grown into himself. I love Splash. Uh, and uh, but um, the thing about this movie with uh, Jeff Goldblum, it. He, it's it's actually a trip from adolescence. You know, when he, we first meet him, he's we're not even sure if he's ever been with a woman at the beginning. You know, <laughs> um, when he meets her, kind of like um, Tom Hanks in Big kind of thing. You know, he's like a, a little child in a grown man's body. He's naive. <laughs> he's innocent. He wears the same clothes. You know, um, his his uh, where he lives is like a you know big lab. It's not you know it's it's not really uh, it's made for just him. And then. Uh, they make love, and then that's when he gets the inspiration how to teach the computer to get excited about the flesh because he has just experienced the flesh. So now he's he's an adult man. He's virile, strong, a little aggressive and cocky too. He gets that, and then by the end he's this deteriorating old man. It's this entire you know this entire arc of, of it's the circle of, of life. Yeah, and, 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 and I'm just hoping that the end with the you know are my eyeballs gonna fall out and. I don't want that. Oh. But we love we love Jeff Goldblum. Love Jeff Goldblum everything. He's he's always great. I remember him in, in Invasion of the, the Body Snatchers remake from 76. Yes. Yes. He's so he's so he's so twitchy and Donald weird Southern in that. In it too. And yeah. and in this his twitchiness works because as he becomes the fly, he just gets twitchier. You know, he actually is twitchy at the beginning. That's Jeff Goldblum. As he, as he becomes more like the fly, he just gets more weirder and twitchier. It's just Jeff Goldblum dialed up to 11, you know? But no, I don't think anybody else could have played this role and made it work like that. No. And you know what I love, too, is, like, how the, the computer is, is voice activated. And Jeff Goldblum always has that tendency to always go, uh, uh, before he's like, uh, in, in, um, in um, Jurassic Park. What is it? Life uh, finds a way. But he even does that for the for the voice activated for the password. And it re- repeats the uh, Rundle Seth like like that. You know what I mean? Like, I think like that even like the computer knew his little like quirks and eccentric mannerisms and, and phrases and whatnot, which I'm glad that they, they kept that in the movie. They basically just like Jeff, ju- ju- just be Jeff. 
Yeah, let's say because he's really like that, and they they let him have that freedom. And I think without that, like, can, could we buy this? Could this movie be sold to us? Uh, exactly. Did you want to throw in? Yeah. Well, the first time I ever saw this movie, I was five. My parents <laughs> rented this. I took out about how my dad is like he made us watch horror movies, so we'd be tougher. But it just scared the shit out of us even more. But anyway, so five, I was watching this by myself. He put it on, and then he left the room. And he had come back the entire time. <laughs> so I called him today, and I was like, Dad, do you remember me watching this, The Fly? And he was like, you watched The Fly? I was like, Dad, I was five. You put it on and left the room. He said, oh, that's some great parenting right there. But <laughs> Shit, I would say. <laughs> I don't remember anything really bothering me except towards the end when he's all gooey. Like, for me, when I saw the expression of body fluids that are green... It reminded me of you can't do that on television. I was like, oh, look, he's getting fun. <laughs> Did he say, I don't know? I was saying, Did somebody say, I don't know? You beat me to it. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. But rewatching it with, with Dave, this is the first time I had rewatched it uh, since then. So I was like, how did a five year old watch this? What's wrong with my parents? What's wrong with me? <laughs> Nothing's wrong. But yeah, that's. I mainly remember him popping out at the end. <laughs> did Dad put in the fly as a babysitter or something? Yeah, he did. Just watch it. Just shut up. But, Stop crying. But also, this is the same man who told me to go play in the road when I was little. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Come and get Wasn't that any parents, home. though? They're like, get the fuck out of the house. I don't care what you do. Just don't. Play in traffic. Yeah, he was yeah. outside. Just, just, like, just come in. Road. Just come in when the fucking streetlights come on. Get get your ass home yeah. when the streetlights come on. Three. I went and played in the road. <laughs> yeah. He had to come get me from a four-lane highway. My dad might as well have just put the movies on and, and left the room because he always had a bottle of Jack with him and he was pretty, pretty much out of it by about the midpoint anyway. So and with my mom and she showed me shit young, but it was like she was like gleefully enjoying my <laughs> doing of it. Destroying and, your young brain. You know, cause, you know, we talk about and it, I was I think it was the last episode we just put out. Um, or, or most recently, uh, American Wear with London. Like, I really wish I could watch this again for the first time, you know. And I think so, and when I show my kids stuff, I'm like, I, I get that feeling back. Like, they've never seen it, so I get to experience it a little bit through them. See it, so, see it through their eyes. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I kind of, it's kind of like watching it for the first time again a little bit. But I'm gonna jump in really quick. We we talked about a couple um, points that I wanted to bring up, but. Uh, We've talked a lot about Jeff Goldblum, and you can't you can't not do that. Um, this started my crush on him, and it's so weird, like because he gets so fucking disgusting. Um, <laughs> but it's like at the, you know I love quirky, and I think I think he's quirked a lot of women straight to bed. Like let me tell you, because we've oh. got he, okay. If, if, if Jurassic Park was any clue, honey, yeah, it, like he it, quirked it, a lot of women tell. right into bed. <laughs> it worked right me. in there. I've yeah, so. a lot of women out of bed, so I know, <laughs> I know the other side of it. Ken, you have to ask real quick, and it is Jeff Goldblum related, because I know, like, Target released it, and I know you're you're a Funko collector also. Did, do you have do you have the Target, Dr. Malcolm, with the open shirt when he's all laying on the side, like, on the table like that? It, but, like, <laughs> sometimes... Nobody, nobody got it here, just so you know, because if I, if I find it, I'll grab it for you. Yeah, sometimes... Uh, I just don't have money when she'll, she'll that that one that one she'll take out of the box and like play with and like <laughs> I'll look it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
I'll be awake and I'll be like, <laughs> and we don't know that I'm an asexual, but there are some exceptions. Um, okay, anyway, but I wanted to talk about, uh, before we continue our love fest here, um, we need to talk about Gina Davis. She doesn't really act much anymore because she was a parent to twins later in life. She's also uh, almost made the Olympic team for archery. Like, she's got other shit that she does. But um, at this time, she was relatively unknown, and Jeff Goldblum was dating her in real life. And when they, when Cronenberg chose um, Jeff Goldblum to do this role, I mean, Mel Gibson was supposed to do it. He turned it down for Lethal Weapon. Thank God for that. Um, you know, uh, we we had a lot of other people that were considered, but the 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 people, the executives at Fox were like, you can't cast Jeff Goldblum. He's not a bankable star. And we also had our major effects guy who got an Academy Award for this, by the way, uh, Chris mm-hmm. Wallace. Yeah, Chris Wallace uh, said, I can't do his face. You know, he's the effects guy. He's like, his face is going to be hard to work with. So nobody wanted him to cast it, but they eventually said, okay, Cronenberg knows what he's doing. But then Jeff Goldblum's like, you got to cast my girlfriend in this. And they're like, we don't want to cast Gina. You know, she was not known pretty much. And they're like, we don't want to cast her. But she was so good as Veronica. She says the famous line, which, by the way, was written by Mel Brooks. The tagline, be afraid, be very afraid. Mel Brooks uh, was sort of like trying to be on the slide, like I said, about you know, producing this. But uh, he owns it now. Um, yeah, but because yeah. he was afraid that if people saw Mel Brooks in the in the they wouldn't take it seriously. They didn't think it's a comedy. And this movie, I think, at the heart of it is really a drama, a tragedy, as we've it's already said. But like Gina Davis's, their their chemistry was great because they were actually together in real life. And I I was really bummed when they split up. Like it was one of those things when I was a kid. I was like, oh what? No, I don't like that. But um. And also too, I had no idea that she was like she's like she's six foot tall. Yeah, she's yeah, fucking. Yeah, yeah. She's a big yeah. bitch, like like model tall. But I want to talk about like I don't know what that says about me as a person, but like. I fell in love with him. Like it was sort of almost like one of those like David Bowie in Labyrinth, like slight sexual awakening kind of moments for me. Uh, like like, when, when, like once he 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 because he doesn't realize that the fly was in there it starts changing and he gets like shredded. He's fucking shredded into, <laughs> and then you got that quirky nerd thing. I'm like that is what it like. That's like the perfect dude right there. He's <laughs> hot. Quirky. He's got his own place. He, oh, I mean, yeah, like, you know, you can uh, have sex on a school out couch in the lab, you know, whatever. But like, no, I mean, I, I love quirkiness and I and I love nerdiness, but he's also super hot. But then but then, you know, because Cronenberg did this and because of the story, um, you know, he gets grosser and grosser. So I'm like, I feel so confused. My, my body is confused. My brain and my heart are confused. But you keep, I mean, I think everybody felt, guys, girls, any anybody of any sexual orientation was a little bit in love with Jeff Goldblum from this oh, movie. Yeah. And also, um, you know, uh, Gina Davis as Veronica. Like, she was killing it. Like, she was the kind of girl, as, as he presents in the beginning, as this nerdy, you know, scientist guy, like, what you know and it comes off really well from her like why am i fucking around with this guy because i want this interview want some scoop but like she ends up falling in love with him and you're like whoa dude score okay um good for you 
Um, and 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 just the acting on both were, were great, and I all the other casting ideas would have sucked. So this ended up like the perfect storm. Everything on it clicked. All the cast, Cronenberg uh, makes some choices that were fantastic. And by listening to Jeff Goldblum casting Gina Davis, we got the classic that we have. Boy, I feel like chopped liver over here. Oh, you we love you. You, you have a nice body. You're a nerd. I, I feel like I just described you. Listen up, ladies. <laughs> I, wa- I want the full package, and I've got it. Emphasis on full. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Emphasis on the package, Blumhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, Candy had, had brought this up before we uh, we started this call, um, and she was talking about, you know, the casting and all that stuff. And I love reading about some of the actors that could have been. And she had mentioned uh, Michael Keaton. Yes. Yeah. He might have worked. Yeah. Um, now, I, I, I could see that. Now, yeah. Now, that might have worked. Now, I, I will point out that this originally was going to be a Tim Burton directed film. Mm-hmm. which that puts it between peewee and beetlejuice and so i told candy i'm like we would have had a much i think we would have had a much darker maybe more gothic film but, but we, it, have all the we gore. would not have had the gore no at all but, but we would have had a we would have had a keaton burton trifecta if you figure because it been the fly beetlejuice and then batman you're right right, right. You're right. that that would have been the you know what i mean that, that's what it would have been um, but but let's not let's not forget um, Mel Gibson turned this down so that he could do Lethal Weapon. Thank you for doing that, which, Mel Gibson. Which I great choice on his part. I think so. regardless well, yeah, because he's fucking awesome as Riggs. I mean, fuck that he's batshit crazy, but Riggs is a fucking badass character. Right, right. Um, but some of the others that that I thought were funny, uh, Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> oh my uh, God, no. Yeah. Maybe uh, no, he would have been like 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 a nebbish. He would have been like even more nebbish and more more awkward than anything else. I think. Right. Um, Thank you. Willem Dafoe. I yes. That one, I, I, I could, I could kind of see that one. I could see that. I could see that. I can see that. And uh, John Travolta. No. 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 <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm doing that. I'm turning into a fly over here. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> I love John Travolta in a lot of roles, but not this would have been no, no, he no. Come across. No, absolutely. But I think that you know, I thought it was funny. You know, Cronenberg uh, makes an appearance in this as the gynecologist. <laughs> um, and that was right. that, of course. that was at Gina Davis's behest because she would have she wouldn't have felt as comfortable with a random actor in that scene. So she asked him to play the part. And and kind of uh, there was also a conversation between Cronenberg uh, and Martin Scorsese, where when Martin Scorsese first met David Cronenberg, he told Cronenberg that he looked like a surgeon, like a Hollywood surgeon. And so that kind of gave him the idea to, like, play this doctor or whatever, uh, which, you know, hey, works out in, in Nightbreed. He plays a fucking psychologist. So and his, psychiatrist can, we, can, we, can we not forget his awesome little cameo? I know you all hate it, but I love it in Jason X. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. That that scene is great. And shout out that they, they actually say Scranton in that, too. Dave. Uh, I, just, I just thought we were talking about how hot Goldblum is and then this, and this movie as he progresses from hotness. It would be an interesting, like, we have any, like, psychology you know, doctor candidates out there, that would be an interesting experiment to do at like what point 
certain women check out. Like, you know, initially, all women love Jeff Goldblum early in his movie. So then when he starts to change, like at what point in his transformation, I was like, okay, that's too much for me. And, and, then, and then the ones who stay to the very Can end. Candy's like none. Ones, Candy's like none. I'll keep going. Watch list. It'd be just <laughs> interesting uh, to see like where they check out. Of the, at what point does it become untenable? Throwing up on his food. And like, I, I, I keep going, Crystal, because I could go to the point where he starts throwing up on the food. Like, because I can still love if he's gross. <laughs> it's, my, it's my nose. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. I can't win. Is that better? Shave your face and stop yes. breathing. So, we're talking about the cast and John Getz as Stathis. I mean, I don't I don't know if anybody else could have really played that. I mean, he really seems like your typical quintessential 80s like yuppie douchebag from from that time. He, complete he complete with that full beard. Like that. Right. I mean, I remember I mean, I remember it was it was kind of cool when Dalton on the big the babysitters that came out and he was he was in that. And I was like, oh, shit, the dude from the fly. I'm like, Stathis. And of course, he was basically Stathis and for, for kids in that fucking movie. Um, I, I just think that he nailed the role. And plus, you really hate this guy and, and you should hate him. And I think that because, I mean, realistically, when you look at the chain of events that occur to Seth ultimately becoming Brundlefly. It's all as a result of him just trying to one up, you know, everybody else and be, you know, king shit, because God forbid, like, you know, Veronica gets like like the perfect scoop on this. But of course, because of his jealousy of the fact that she's getting close with Seth, he's got to try to fucking, you know, show everybody's fucking parade, basically. And then kind of and really, realistically, that sets the chain of events in motion. Well, if we're going to go a little back than that, I guess when the microchip right really gets stuck in his back is really when everything kind of starts from there. but. The fact that he feels the need to get drunk because she has to go and like end this with with Stathis ends up happening that the fly ends up inside the telepod and then you know the rest of the fucking movie happens. So so realistically, if he never would have rolled over in bed on that fucking microchip and if Stathis wasn't being Stathis, I don't think you know what would have followed would have happened. But we're sure you glad know? it did. But yeah. Well, we are glad. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and honestly, I. I, I've also heard people say, and, and this isn't even just like, you know, from like the female, like even males have said, like, they get a little teary eyed at the end of this movie just just because of how this movie ends. And, it and you know, I remember even being as a kid walking in the theater being like, what the fuck did I just? Well, I mean, I loved it, but it was it's such a heavy downer of an ending. And I mean, this is almost like borderline like like Carpenter or Romero type ending where really it's just like you walk out of this or you're you're done watching it and you're like fuck like i didn't expect to really feel for this fucking creature and like you you feel horrible when consciously consciously the little bit of of humanity that that is still seth and that creature makes that choice and you see like the little the little nub claw thing whatever like put the gun to the and like you're like oh man like come on and you feel for that scene. I'm like, you know, she's crying her eyes out and, you know, and Stathis is there just, you know, and, and yes, he kind of redeems himself also. I mean, that was he does because point. he's, yes. yeah, he, he redeems because he steps up and he helps Veronica when she needed him the most. You know, he, he, he wasn't such a scumbag in the end after all, but he still, you know, what is it? Um, the the road to hell is paved with good intentions and right, no right. good deed goes unpunished so he goes to save her and what happens he gets his hand and his fucking leg puked on for his and, and melted for for his troubles yeah and but but ultimately you know fuck i mean i know i know we're, we're kind of jumping 
you know, we're, we're Tarantino in this right now, but shit. We like, do that, that all ending the time. Just, that's, that's, I, I know, but like that, it's it's really it's really just that ending that really kind of like just really sticks with you. And I think that's what makes this a little bit. See, to me, I always teeter between this one and John Carpenter's, you know, thing because it's the the two of them are so neck and neck. Yeah. And and the you know and we've and we've already discussed um you know horror remakes done correctly or remakes done correctly period and I you know we always say that there that there are three that are the gold standard which is this one a Carpenter's yeah. thing and Scarface I feel like are are there are the three golden remake rules There's that like you have to try to achieve expand that list to maybe ten we we could but really but really if you're looking at like what you know filmmakers it's it's those three or like like the three. It's like I said at the beginning, like when it, it's just like the thing when you talk, when you say The Fly, people think of this movie and not the original film. And that's, Which, that's, that's how, when you do a remake. And if you can do that, well, fuck, you pulled it off. But I got to be honest, the first time I actually watched the original Fly in full was when I got that box set because I had seen it in bits and pieces growing up. I had never sat down and watched it. And holy fuck. I mean, I know we talked about a little in the beginning. That's a great movie, too. Oh my god! The, the Vincent Price version. See, that's the thing too. Like, I kind of want to touch on that real quick. That's it's one of the few where the remake complements the original, and the original also complements the remake, where both are equally good, and you don't feel cheated. You don't feel like yeah. I wasted my time watching either one, and one's not better than the other. Although I, I think maybe the 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 Cronenberg fly might might have a leg up on. But but I mean it's Vincent Price so like I mean that's that's right, saying, I yeah. feel like it's one of the it's one of the few that like we talk about with remakes I think that like both are equally on the level of each other of being like good gold standard if I can for, like, jump their, in, for their time because um, we have sort of the same talking points so I just want to add a little bit to that um, now with the thing from another world and John Carpenter's the thing I don't feel like there's really much of a contest. Now, the thing from another world was one of the better schlocky movies like that that were being mass produced in the 50s. This The Fly, the original The Fly was head and shoulders above any of that schlock shit. Just like you said, it complement, you know, this film, this remake from 1986 complements the original film. The original film is is also at its heart a drama. It's, uh, you know, very fucking sad. You, You feel just as bereft. Um, in the end, because, uh, you know, of course, back in the 50s, it was shocking what they did with that film. But it's not shocking to us now. Like when he would eat, she would bring, she would say, you know, because he could use his one hand, you know, because uh, part of him was a fly. And you don't see that till later on in the movie. And they do a really great fucking fisheye lens thing. But, um, yeah, so he he's kind of covered. And then he would put his arm that was covered over the food. And you knew he was doing the puking. Like, that's how actual the slurping. Don't you hear yeah, that slurping? slurping sound. And that was enough back then. And Vincent Price, you know, we all remember Vincent Price from this, but there were, I mean, consummate actors left and right. I mean, you really kind of have to be a classic film buff because um, the ending of the first flight, and it's a sticking point for a lot of people, is, you know, here's this detective, and we've got, you know, Vincent Price, Francois, like, saying, like, you know, discovering things along the way, like, why did she murder him? And, and you know, and we get the whole story from her, from him, you know, all these different viewpoints. And then the, the detective sees that fucking fly that they've been looking for. And it's like, help me. And it's like become a joke. But it, but like for me, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, my God. And then he fucking throws that huge rock at it. And you're like, 
but like that ended it that ended that cycle that it, they're both it's they're both destroyed and nobody you know helen's not going to get you know sent to the electric chair for this because it was a justified killing and he gets it and he's probably never going to talk about it till his dying day you got that fucking vibe and this movie like it does complement the old one but it does it it in a different way um you know in the 80s we you know it was just a time of gore and we had some really fucking phenomenal remakes. I think those are some of the best remakes we've ever gotten in horror to this day. Um, but yeah, it was more scientific. It did something different, but the drama and the love was still there. And we also had another great cast. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted, you know, that was sort of my talking points is just like, yeah, I would put this like, like Nico says with gold standard of remakes, the 80s most of the time got those right you know they did a fucking phenomenal job but i just want people to remember the classic if you haven't revisited it there's this really awesome i don't know if it's out of print now the the fly collection where it has you know the fly return of the fly curse the fly and then the 80s the fly and the fly two um and the fly two has eric stoltz i know that dave and crystal uh wanted to point out some things about the fly two but uh, i'll let sean jump in really quick well I wanted to talk about uh, special effects. Um, and, you know, as, as I said at the beginning, like the special effects in this film are, are amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, like I said, the, the fly vomit uh, made me sick as a kid. Um, <laughs> just, just to watch his deterioration um, is just, I mean, I don't know, it's cinematic masterpiece. You know, you just you just see this man just completely like morph you know, into this, into this creature. But one of my favorite things is the arm wrestling scene. Oh shit. That's so badass. Like that was what everybody talked about as kids. Because I will, I will never arm wrestle anyone <laughs> in my life. Same dude. And, and I, and I, and I could tell you now it's because of the fly, this movie that I stopped biting my nails as a kid. <laughs> because, of, because of that scene. And that then when he squirts the, whatever the nails. fuck it is. The yeah, shit like that, fucks me up. That'll I do can't it. do it. I can't do it. And that's and and to me, that's a testament to how well a film, especially with the special effects, are done. That you know, not so much. It's not so much about the gross out factor, but it's the you know, I will I will alter things in my life because of what I saw on screen. You know, like like Nico said with the nail biting, me with the you know, like I mean, look at me. I wasn't much of an arm wrestler to begin with, but you know. As a kid, you know, in your teen years, like everybody wanted to fucking arm wrestle because everybody, you know, had to be macho and they wanted to, sh- you know, and and swing and dick syndrome. Nope, sorry, I'm not getting my fucking arm broken, you know. But um, the one thing I wanted to point out is um, so a name that comes up quite a bit, um, Rob Bottin, um, as we all know from uh, The Howling and, and you know some of the other films. Bottin comes up in like every episode. that we've talked about, right? Um, <laughs> He actually submitted uh, his own personal design for what he thought Brundlefly should look like, and it was scrapped. And I would like to see, you know, I don't know if it's out there. I didn't do a whole lot of digging. We didn't watch the special features on this. But but I would I would definitely like to see what he came up with, what his his concept was for uh, how he envisioned Brundlefly. Because I mean, they they did a fantastic job. I think it looks great. Um, but I would love to see just like how how I like to read about what other actors could have been, should have been, would have been. Um, I'd love to see like what designs we could have had um, for this film. 
Um, and then the only other thing I'll touch on, um, because I, you know, we, I don't know how many, how often I'll get, get to uh, bring this up is the score. Um, so this was Howard Shore and I don't know if a lot of horror fans are familiar with Howard Shore, but if you've ever seen Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit, um, you can thank Howard Shore for the music because that man is a phenomenal composer and he put together the, uh, the score for this completely uncredited. And I've got a little quote here uh, that I wanted to read. So in the and I found this in the trivia, but it, it took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, when recording Howard Shore's score, David Cronenberg remembers Mel Brooks questioning whether certain moments were too much. He particularly noticed how much the music crescendos when Brundle is walking down the street. Quote, the guy is just walking down the street, said Mel Brooks. Cronenberg replied, no, Mel. The guy is about to meet his destiny. And when I saw I was like, that's, you know, that's a good way to put it. Like, you know, like like the music in this is is fucking great. And to come from a guy who went on to do such, you know, amazing performances in in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and even Candy Twilight. So you guys act like I like the movies all the time and I just like the books. I mean the movies are all right, but like they're not great. I just like I just it. want to jump in real quick on that. Um and I've and I know that Cronenberg has been trying to like remake this for whatever reason, even still. And he wanted to do an operatic version of but yeah. I, I've I've always I've always looked at this as kind of like an operatic type of movie as it was, the way that it was made. I never looked at it as anything. I mean, I, to me, it it seemed more um, more of like a like a Greek tragedy almost. That that's more of like like a like a Greek opera, if anything, yeah, instead of an Italian opera. Hubris here, you know, hubris. Right. Is, you know, a, a Greek term meaning you know it's a fatal flaw of of thinking you're 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 too uh you know inflated ego. You know, depending. Right. No, so that's a tragic flaw. And if you follow your Greek tragedy and what's uh, something that I know a lot about and have no use for. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is very much like a Greek tragedy and it does flow more like a piece of music uh, with drama, you know, like like that, you know, and it's hard to do that with a film. But you're you're right. I mean, even the film itself, the actions are crescendos and, um, you know, arias and, and all the, the things that we get in an opera. It's yeah, it's very and even to kind of go back to what you were just saying, Sean, like that that scene of him walking down the streets, like one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Right. And it's because of that of that of that because he's walking like with a purpose. And I mean, I never even thought about it till he just said it now. He's walking to his destiny. He, fuck yeah, he he really is. Yeah. God, I was gonna throw in something, but what the fuck was it? Uh, I got something real quick. Oh, it was the Kafka thing. Eric is not here. Can I throw in Kafka? Please. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, because my bestie, but you know, she's not here to do psychological stuff. So I'm going to throw one thing in. Um, I'm sure we're all at least familiar with the uh, name Franz Kafka, but, uh, the line, they, they actually kind of paraphrased, uh, his famous metamorphosis. Um, and so I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it, but now the dream is over and the insect is awake. And that's, uh, you know, all your, psychology people you know are and and you know philosophy people know franz kafka and so we have a direct reference to metamorphosis you know um and if you're not familiar with that it's not an easy 
read or study. But I think if you want to learn something and just check out some theories and some philosophies and some psychology, uh, check out Franz Kafka's very famous Metamorphosis. And it's literally about, you know, in, you know, like the insect stuff um, and pertaining to humans and perception. Um, and, and I like that they uh, included that here and they made reference to it because it's such an obvious thing that like, how could they not? Okay, sorry. That that was no. for Erica. Erica, I miss you. Okay. Well, the, the the Kafka reference reminded me of Harlan Ellison's "I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream." It's so fucking scary. Yeah, the two, I think the two are connected. I I I I, I have not read the um, Metamorphosis, but I need to. But I wanted to talk. We were talking about the effects, and also this movie has a kind of a dark sense of humor, which you know I love. And the scene where Brundlefly uh, melts. Um, Stathis's Stathis Stathis Stathis's foot, and he and he um he as it's melting he's kind of playing with the foot like looking at it and seeing if it's gonna come off of the leg. I just love that scene. It's dark and it's gross, but it's a little humorous because we don't like Stathis anyway, so we don't mind so much that he's getting. I just love that scene. I think it it it, it speaks to the larger dark sense of humor this movie has. And ever the scientist. You and know? then there's that deleted scene, if you guys seen, where he, like, actually eats Stathis' foot. It wasn't in the movie, but he, like, actually picks the, and his little proboscis comes out, and he's, like, sucking on the foot stub, and it's gross. Yes. Why was gross. it deleted? God, I, I can't. I like, centered. what's too far? And and the infamous yeah, monkey cat. The monkey far. cat scene was, was too far. That that got yeah, cut. It's, it's, on, it's on the, yeah. Baboon cat. Yeah. Um. Now I remember the what I was gonna say. Uh. Really quick, if I can jump in, because I had a point, but I went to a different point because I couldn't remember it. But okay. So we all know that when we think of the classic play, we think of Vincent Price, and Vincent. You know. Um. When Jeff Goldblum stepped into this role, he wrote a letter to Vincent Price saying, "I hope, yeah. I hope that you love this." as much as I loved you doing it. And Vincent Price, you know, watched it, wrote him back, said, it went a little too far, but, you know, good job. It went a little too far. Um, but I'm like, where's the line? We went so far in this movie. Like, where's the fucking line, you know? Yeah. That's a great thing about the 80s. There's no line. <laughs> yeah, there was, it was no never line. a line. Um, yeah, uh, Crystal, let's hear from you. I keep talking over you. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, I was going to mention the Vincent Price thing, but... To me, I think growing up, Gina Davis was a big role model for me. There were not many redheads that were on TV or in the movies. And so uh, I became a big fan of Gina, Gina Davis um, with this and um, Thelma and Louise. And, Beetlejuice. Um, yes, and Beetlejuice. But, Earth Girls um, are easy. I love Earth Girls are easy. And that also has Jeff Goldblum in it. And I fucking I love, love that, that movie. movie. And I don't care what anybody says about that movie. Like, I fucking want always love I, that I, I love it too love and, it. and when we got early jim carrey too but i, I gotta like be that. honest my 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 favorite gina davis movie and i know it's very cliche i don't care the league of their own she's fucking fantastic yeah. she's, yeah. that's, 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 that's she's great that, 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 that's like, like it or not you do <laughs> yeah it goes on it's, too and my, honestly no go ahead crystal i'm sorry my dad made me become a competitive archer so gina davis actually qualified for the olympics in 96 which were in atlanta so oh. he, he yeah. wanted me in the Olympics. Uh, no, but <laughs> I won every tournament, but no, I wound up dancing in the Olympics. But um, no, did not compete. Did not want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Archery. Watch out, Dave. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm already there. I mean, I carry too. He's so. gonna fuck around and find out one day. <laughs> um, Nico. So is it a little odd to think that um, since 20th Century Fox put this movie out, and we now we now know um, who owns 20th Century Fox, to think that Veronica is technically a Disney princess? Hell yeah. yeah. And that's and my that, that's my daughter's name. <laughs> and that um, Stathis is technically your classic Disney villain. Yeah. And yeah. Seth is eventually your tragic Disney hero that goes on a quest. Only his quest ends a little differently than most Kinda of the like other heroes. Quasimodo and and the underrated uh, um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, their version. Right. I thought it was a great now, movie. Yes. They're darkest. Being being that being that Disney does own all of this stuff now, including now the Fly, since they. Fox still had the rights for this since they always did. You do realize that eventually there's going to be a remake of this thing at some point. It, it, it will happen. It'll be it like you know sense. another retelling. But if if you guys could pick current current actors right now, even even director whatever, if you could pick you know a new Seth Brundle, a new Veronica Stathis, and a director for this, who would it be? God, that's a tough one. I'm gonna, I mean, my heart wants to say Ari Aster because he does, you know, some crazy shit and he's not afraid to go there and he's really good with tone and could keep the tragedy in place because that's where he works best. I'd have to say as an all around, I would go with Mike Flanagan. I think he would do it justice. Yeah. Um, and that's just going off of the haunting of Hill House and a haunting of Blind Manor. Um, he handled uh, drama, tragedy, scares. He handled it all and did a really great job. Um, and we had some great effects too. So I, I would have to say, I want to say Ari Aster, but we'd get like a six hour version and, and um, <laughs> only I would like it. Um, but, you know, I don't think he could, he could do, it's not, this film is not his type of thing. So I would go with Mike Flanagan. I think he's too young. But I mean, he's, he's kind of older. Now you could age him up. I want to see Timothy Chalamet as as Brundle. He's a little young, but I think I'd be be great, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, director wise, I mean, again, we won't know until next week with with the follow up. But um, so far, David Gordon Green has been impressing me with a lot of his work. So I know he's set to tackle The Exorcist next after he completes his Halloween trilogy next year. He better impress. I mean, I. I would, I would honestly be okay with him tackling the fly. And then as far as, you know, if they were going to do another, like, you know, Seth Brun, honestly, I would honestly put um, Andy M- Machadic from, from Halloween as the new Veronica, if that was me. Yeah. I think, I think her or Samara Weaving, because those two are like, Samara Weaving especially is like on the come up as like a real screen queen, so to speak. Yeah. But I think one of those two, but I think I think Andy Machadic though would would be the better of the two because she looks like that wholesome, you know what I mean, like girl next door type that like you would feel real emotion when that end scene would have to happen. As far as who could be um, Seth Seth Brundle, I mean, oh gosh, I could tell you who could be Stathis right now. Bradley Cooper would who would be oh, yes. pick to yeah. be Stathis if if I it was that's me. That's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah. I I could totally see that, but um. As far as Seth Brundle, I don't know. That's such a that's such a tough one. And honestly, you know who you know who I pick honestly, and I think and I think he's gonna surprise a lot of people when the movie comes out when the when the new Batman Paul Dano. He was in the lighthouse. Was the oh, lighthouse I or Paul Dano? Is he's like yeah. an darling. He's great though. I, the first time I saw him was in the Girl Next Door. Uh, so I think his name was like Clitz or something in that movie. Mm-hmm. I think it was something something weird. 
Um, I I think he would be a good Seth Brundle because like he's like that tall, awkward. If this was made like early two thousands and he was, it would have been Michael Sarah. Let, let, let's be honest. As much as I hate that that double yes. prick, it, it would have been him. Michael Sarah, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Oh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, I like, but I, I feel like he's 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 too short. I feel like to pull it off. I mean, they're going on height. You, Tom Cruise is like shorter than me, right? They have him stand on. Yeah, shit. well, fuck. I mean, and then you know, Tom Cruise has his moments, but I mean, if you're really gonna kind of capture from like that feel of it, I, I think Paul Dano, Andy Machadic, and Bradley Cooper would be like my my uh, triple threat for that, with David Gordon Green directing the movie for that. I, I think that would work. What about you, Dave? I was thinking uh, Joaquin Phoenix, but I think he might be too old already. But he's so I'm, strange. He I'd love to, let's not put an age limit on. I'd this. love to see him. Which is yeah, which is how we met. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I like him. I think he'd be great without the beard. Maybe lose the beard. He's he, he does weirdness so good. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Which you also realize if this was like a couple of years ago, it would have been also probably been Johnny Depp if that were the case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll just do my dream cast. I know I said uh, Mike Flanagan is director. I would say still, regardless, and we're not, I'm not doing age things, but I think Timothy Chalamet, he can do like anything. I see him as Brundle, you know, Seth. Uh, for Veronica, I've got Emma Stone or Florence Pugh. Um, Florence Pugh is, you know, uh, we all know who she is. Listen, Fl- Florence Pugh can do no wrong. Right. She's, oh, uh, yeah. And then for Stathis, I have Adam Driver. Uh, oh damn it okay so like i i'm just gonna say this now i fuck because the the posters in your background kylo ren is my favorite character out of ironically out of every star wars movie i fucking love kylo take. ren that's a fucking hot take it is a hot take and i don't give a shit because no, fuck okay. anybody else i mean I don't, I don't give a fuck i i like what i like i said what i said fuck it i mean <laughs> i'm the one that dropped that that hot take about daniel harris a couple episodes ago so i don't give yeah. a fuck yeah. i stand by what i say but because of that, I, I respect <laughs> I respect the shit out of Adam Driver, and I think Adam Driver is one of the finest actors now. Fantastic. Like, right, and honestly, I, I would like to change Bradley Cooper to... Uh, yeah, I'm going to change mine to Adam Driver. So we go agree with you on Adam this one. Driver. Adam Driver. We agree, yeah, because Adam Adam Driver can also do no wrong because he's yeah. just fucking fantastic. You know, honestly, if anything, maybe he could be the fly. He could be Seth. Yeah, Lundle that's too. what I was thinking. Yeah. He, he would work in either role, but that's what I'm saying. He's such a good actor; he could do either role. But since he's, he's a little, very versatile, he can play uh, older a little bit than Timothy Chalamet, who I think you know. I I just put him in a Sathis role. What do you, what would you do, Sean? I you know what honestly like I want to see a Tim Burton version of this. I w- yeah, I would pay money for that. But uh, you know, it, it's I'm torn between him and um, I love Robert Eggers, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who who did the witch. The bitch. Um, yeah. Um, I you know I that would be it would be a very dark uh version of this. Um, as far as as the characters go, um, Samara Weaving, I'm on board with that. I love her. She's you think fucking, I'm in love with her? She's fucking bit? phenomenal. Um. Uh, Bella Thorne. Um, mm, I don't. I don't like. No, her. you don't think so. No, no, no. Bella Thorne could be Tawny. She, she, she yeah. can't. Yeah, she could be like the hooker he picks up at the bar. Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Bella, Bella Thorne she's is not, not a good actor. I'm sorry, Veronica. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, she's she's not a good actor by any stretch and, of the and, imagination. And for Brundle, like I don't know, like like I'm trying to think like quirky, like Andrew Garfield, yeah. like uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Um. I mean, I'm, no, I'm he's sorry. he's too he's too he's too twitchy for my liking. Yeah, we, we, we just talked about the twitchiness of just yeah, 
but, but but it's Goldblum. At least it's endearing. Where Eisenberg, I wanted to punch a fucking baby when he was like Lex Luthor or <laughs> Zombie Land yeah. or literally anything else else he's in. No, you're right. We I, listen, the only movie he's good in is fucking The Social Network because yeah. he, he nailed and fuck you, Zuckerberg, if you're listening. He nailed Zuckerberg perfectly. Can't cancel my, my my Facebook. Go ahead, Crystal. I think we can turn this on its head. I think we're thinking about this the wrong way. If they did a remake, how about as Brundle, Tilda Swinton? Yeah. A which the rolls up a little yeah, bit. Like do that. Like so and then and then um we Ronnie could be uh who would be good as could still be Adam Driver. Be Adam Driver or or Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, yeah. somebody yeah. 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 There you go. Flip, I, I flip like the this, I still, this A female Brundle. We enjoy Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they just announced the, the female uh, penhead today, right? For the new Hellraiser yes, that's coming on. Yes, they did. So. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Sense8, right? That's the series that she was in. Sense8 on Netflix, I think. Uh-huh. Wow. Which I know yeah. of, but I never saw. I never saw it, but I, I do know. I mean, I read celebrity stuff. <laughs> Listen, I'm also behind on this because I haven't seen Squid Game, and everybody at my job is talking about how great we Squid Game is. haven't seen it either, so We're don't. No, anybody who's three. seen it. Yeah. Our son, our son binge watched it in two days. So we're ready to watch it. We're gonna watch it. So I'm just real, real, and you could you can edit this out. I'm watching a show on Hulu now, and I don't know why I'm so hooked on it because I shouldn't be, but it's called Only Murders in the Building. With oh, Steve yeah. Martin, Martin Short, and Selena yeah. Gomez, Martin I fucking Short. love that show. I'm like so hooked on it. I yeah, love Steve Martin and Martin Short. Like you can't well, go wrong. Yeah, and it's it's kind of cool that Selena Gomez is like thrown into the mix. It's like they have this you know right. new school with, with the old school like that. We were we were late to the game and we just started uh, what we do in the shadows. I haven't seen that yet either. I heard it's great. Oh my god, no, just, we've, fucking hilarious. We've only been through like what three episodes? Maybe but maybe four. It is fucking hilarious. It's, it's on Hulu, right? Yeah. yeah a, All right, I'll have to watch it because I have Hulu. I think it's I think it's originally airing on FX, but you can get it on Hulu. Right. Um, you know, you, you mean you mean you mean the Mouse House because Disney owns all that shit. Right. <laughs> what doesn't Disney own? Disney owns this, probably this, this 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 podcast they don't own yet. Yeah. Well, apparently they don't own fucking <laughs> because I don't see Spider Man in that shit. So. Well, there's. there's so I'm gonna go on mute real quick. Yeah, don't because I haven't seen it yet, so don't. Um, God, where do we go for, from there? Uh, I guess Sean's Sean shitty reviews. <laughs> we've been needing the theme song. So, so the the shitty reviews on this. So I know I always I always give my disclaimer that I'm a lazy fuck and I only get my shit from IMDb. Um, I actually I actually uh, uh, broke that and I went to Rotten Tomatoes today. Look at you! Wow. You graduated. I know. I know. Fancy. We're growing. I had like this slight dopamine hit and I was like, I, I felt like I just needed to branch out a little more. But um, so our first one is from Martin Hafer. Um, he's giving it one star. Nauseating and unnecessary. The original movie, The Fly, was a lovely little horror film. Was it great? No. But it was effective and fun to watch. Did it need to be remade? Possibly. But only if the integrity of the original story remained and it was given better special effects in all caps. But not like this. Vaughn <laughs> is the silly fun of the original. In its place is silly. a is, a, is not silly. In its place is a viscerally disturbing, nauseating mess with rather mean spirit. It's simply unfun 
and unappealing. Don't believe me? Well, look at the sick makeup job on Jeff Goldblum. Accident victims are easier to look at for extended periods. <laughs> no. The guy's got tabs saved on his phone of victims, yeah. accidents. Our next one comes from Rob120. Hopefully not our Rob. Not our Rob. Um, he says, gross, but it inspired a classic pun. I saw this movie once, never again. David Cronenberg seems to be going out of his way in this movie to gross out the audience. <laughs> this movie? Um, has he seen Videodrome? <laughs> the problem right. is, he makes he mistakes revulsion for genuine horror and suspense. This movie has one redeeming value. It inspired that what has to be the all-time classic worst pun in the history of the world. It came from Bob Hope. Hey, did you see this new movie, The Fly? Jeff Goldblum plays a, a mad scientist who accidentally turns himself into a giant fly. My favorite scene in the movie is when the scientist and his wife are sitting in a restaurant. The scientist drinks a bowl of soup, and his wife turns to the waiter and says, Waiter, there's a soup in my fly. Get the fuck out of here. Get your fucking shine box. Our next one comes from J.M. Sanders, um, one star. The most horrible movie in my life. <laughs> this poor guy. For some reason, obsessive filmmakers make horrible movies that end up taken as works of genius by many. This is one case. The movie is disturbing like none I've ever seen. It is not rated on this website, but it is obviously R for nudity, violence, and gore. You poor thing. The genre is called biological horror or body horror. What actually means nothing, so I prefer the first. This kind of movie relies on gruesome effects more than anything else, and the dread of being infected and losing your grip on the human body. And this movie sets the standard. Our next one is uh, from Cagebox111. He says, completely gross. A movie that holds cult status in the horror genre, The Fly, has a good underlying plot, but is not a pleasant watch by any means. Fans of Jeff Goldblum will enjoy his performance, but future Oscar winner Gina Davis puts in a cringeworthy performance as Goldblum's opposite. Acting aside, The Fly is among the most visually disgusting films I've seen with the gross-out scenes, not adding anything to the plot and merely to disturb the viewer. Couple that with an extraordinary slow start, and The Fly is a cult film worth avoiding. I don't even know how to pronounce this. P-E-T-I-S-L says not scary. This film is just... Pesticle. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll just say pesticle. This film is not ju- this film is just plain disgusting and not scary. You want something unsettling? Watch Werner Herzog's Nosferatu and skip this. And last but not least, I dipped my toes into Rotten Tomatoes and I got this stellar review from Ralph Novak of People magazine and he says, "Any dolt could film a movie with sickening stuff and there's nothing scary, funny or interesting about what Cronenberg has done. It is just tedious and insulting." Get the swatter. <laughs> honey, get the swatter. <laughs> this is the where you're like, fuck you. Yeah. I think you're gonna need the taser swatter. These these and, and these reviews were all from people who are fans of Kirk Cameron. Oh, of course. Uh, that makes sense then. That that must have been the same people that that just trashed um Halloween Kills when the Venice premiere happened because literally all of them don't even like fucking horror movies. Right. That's why I said that at a half. For back to like my campaign against Siskel and Ebert, though they're both gone, um, who campaigned against horror in the 80s. Like, if it was horror, they but, hated it. But can I right. add this? And I almost added this in, and I didn't. Um, 
this is one of those rare moments where Roger Ebert actually gave this a really high rating. Yeah. So I think that says something. Um, he loved I mean, the original really, Dawn of the Dead, too. Ebert yeah. also loved, he loved Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, it had social commentary, phenomenal yeah. acting, great character building. Uh, yeah. Effects were second to none at the time. Oh, George. And that's and that's George, what yeah. that's what Roger Ebert said in this in the review for this. Um, and it was a rather lengthy review, uh, but he talked about the social commentary about how it related to the AIDS, you know, epidemic at the time. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I feel like those people, you know, they're like, well, everybody says that everybody says that. Well, maybe I mean, and it's I, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, everybody's right and I'm wrong because I'm different, you know, than everybody. So I don't always fit into everybody. But like if that many people are saying it's good, you're just missing the point. Like, OK, Mystery Science Theater has legions of diehard fans. But like, as as I always say from Joel from Mystery Science Theater, the right people will get it. And this movie, if it's not for you, it's for a lot of fucking people. If it's not for you, fuck off. Watch your whatever you're going to watch. This movie is so classic. It's so it's almost untouchable. Like you no matter what anybody says, it's just like bing, bing, like reflecting that shit right back. Like this movie I, I put on the level of the thing. It's so fucking good. And you guys know how much I love my classic films and The Fly is one of it is absolutely like top 10 horror classic of all time. Um, you know, if we're talking about my classics, you know, cause we did the bad seed, the bad seed performed phenomenally. Thank you listeners. Um, because that was a risk for me, uh, doing a 1956 serial killer child movie. But, um, and we, like I said, we will talk about the original, the fly, but I mean, this, it, it's just like, it, it's done right. And, um, you can't touch that. You know, people, there are people out there, believe it or not, who don't like the thing. And we had, that was one of the biggest shows. We had so many guests and all of us were here and everybody gave that a 10. Like you couldn't, if you tried, find something to dock points for. And I think this is also like that. I'm showing my hand because we're going to be launching into reviews. Um, you know, I'm, I'm showing my hand, but I'm going to collect the last thoughts from everybody before we do reviews. But anyway, I'm kind of giving a little bit of my review, but like, you can't touch this film. You can't touch the thing. No matter, you want to hate on it. And sometimes, and I've talked about this a lot because I, I'm, I'm very interested in sociology and, and psychology and things like that. Um, it, Erica tends to be more of our psychologist and I'm more of our sociologist. But like, you know, people sometimes, and this is this is sociology here, but people sometimes buck at this system. And if everybody likes it, they immediately will hate it just to hate it, just to be different because they feel like that gives them an identity. And I think these people, they just, you know, they miss the mark. Like, even if you don't like horror, which just little neighbor do not, um, you know, as we talked about a lot, God, there's a fucking fly that keeps bothering me here tonight. I'm not joking. I know. Help I just. Me. It was just, on my face earlier. I was like, help me. I just screenshot it and posted it. Oh, uh, that's so funny because like, earlier I landed on, it landed on me. I was like, there's a fly on me. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's just there are people who that's their identity is to be the naysayers 
And they're like, well, I don't like what everybody likes. I'm so edgy. I like this instead. Or I prefer the classic film. You know what, motherfucker? I like both. So, you know, like, like what you like. If you don't like it, fuck off and like what you like. Like, you don't have to do this to have an identity. You don't have to be a doomsayer or a naysayer. Um, I just feel like that's all bullshit. Like, they just missed the point. And the point's pretty fucking obvious here. Um, these are my final thoughts. Uh, the point's obvious. It's effective. The gore is necessary. Whereas in Videodrome, like, could we always justify the, the gore in there? No, but was it fun? Yeah. Here, I think it's absolutely justified. It could be a metaphor, an allegory. It could be symbolic. Uh, cancer, AIDS, uh, old age. You know, the life cycle of a fly is very short. And what we didn't mention that I meant to mention is when Gina Davis, you know, she finds out she's pregnant. You know, her character does. And, and and she wants to get the abortion. And, you know, she has and when you when you're pregnant, you have these weird fucking dreams, dude. They're weird. And when that dream that she has like that to me is one of the most horrifying scenes. Having been through childbirth, having been pregnant, um, you know, obviously because I've had kids. I've had things living inside me, but you know, um, you know, that that's one of those pregnancy nightmares. And I mean, obviously she doesn't go through with it. We get the fly too, which I'm not mad at, but, uh, but I, that added such a, an, another layer to this. this and was, she says to the doctor, I'll do it myself. Yeah. Which I yeah. think, an abortion. I'll do it I'll, myself. which I think we need to in this day and age, I'm looking at you, Texas. Yeah, I mean, for my birthday, and I want to thank everyone who, who donated to uh, Greater uh, Texas Planned Parenthood, um, who are still fighting against that. Fuck you, Texas. I'm a strong feminist, and I got a lot to say about what, you know, people telling women what they can fucking do with their bodies. And I am right. a mother. I am a mother. But I still believe that women, I have daughters. They, they should be able to do what they want. But, yeah, so we have that very fucked up scene. And I think that that just adds another layer to the brilliance of this movie. And, and, and it's just, it, it makes it even like triple, like triple down at the end. Like, damn, she's pregnant. Like she still loves him. He's trying to fucking kill everybody. You know, and he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to hurt people, but the fly is taking over the, I was a, I was an insect who dreamed I was a man, you know, Franz Kafka shit. So those are my final thoughts. Uh, let's hear from everybody, and then we'll go into reviews. Well, I just want to talk about the, the original, the um, the ending scene in the original with the fly caught in the web screaming for help from the giant spider. That that gave me nightmares to this day. Oh yeah, and it's like that, a joke now. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, it's, like to I, me, it's never been. It's terrifying. That scene, him helpless in a web while this spider is about to, you know, drink his fluids. That is fucking terrifying. That original movie fucked me up. It's that's great too. It's great. Yeah. And I, but I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a, like you said. It's almost a punchline. Now that help me, help me. Go back and watch that as you know me at 12 years old. Watch that and see if it's funny. Me now, because I mean I've seen it a million times. Every time I watch it, like that, that's not a joke to me. It's scary. And the the, the reaction of the detective to automatically just like fucking kill it and be like, case closed. We're good. Um, <laughs> Plus, you've got Vincent in the original again. You've got Vincent Price, but he's not the he's not the main you know horror guy. He's he's sort of an ancillary character. He, well, People he's, forget he, that. Supporting. Yeah. Where, People forget that. Well, you expect Vincent Price to be the guy turning into the, being the fly, and it's not, which is also a great uh, you know uh, juxtaposition, a great you know surprise. 
Right. I love the I love the original. Terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk about that, and I'm really excited too. But and they I show him, and they show him in the because the whole movie's a flashback. They show him in the press, and it's like his arm is twitching. You know, when they show, it's like that that was pretty fucking dark for that the time. The fifties, yeah, 1950, and nineteen fifty eight, I think. Or yeah, nineteen fifty eight. He's twitching. They, he's oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then she realizes she left the arm out, and she has to do it again. She's like, I put it back in. Down twice. And, like, she won't talk to anybody till the very end. So we're finding, you know, between the detective and um, Vincent Price's character, we're finding out the story through them, through flashbacks and things. And, and it's a beautiful way to tell the story. And and here we didn't need that, but it, the story was still told. Um, I sorry. love that she, that she realizes she left the arm out, and she nuts up. and like, well, i got to put it in, I guess. She puts it back in and does it again. For, for love. For her love, good for her, you know, love it. Would you, would you squash me in a hydraulic press? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. All right. Well, whatever. I love you. <laughs> um, but well, I think going back to this one, that at the end he Brundlefly realizes that uh, Veronica's pregnant with his child, so he's like, let's take the three of us and go through. That is his desperation moment. That is him expecting to go through with her. And expecting to come out fully human because she has his DNA inside of her and it is growing. So that is his last ditch effort of please, I fucked up. Let me get back to human status. And that is fucking terrifying that he would just throw her. He would manhandle her in to the carburetors. As I like to call it, because they look like fucking carburetors. Yeah. But you know, but you know that he does it because he loves her. And I do want to mention one last thing before I shut the fuck up. Um, the part like uh, where we've got like our shredded uh, Jeff Goldblum, and they're like having sex, and he's like, "Let's go again." And she's like, "It's been ten times. I'm kind of raw, dude." <laughs> that's, right, like, and you know that's when she got impregnated. You have to know that, and it's sort of like something you sense when she finds out she's pregnant. Like that's when she got pregnant. They were having sex for like ten hours. I'd be like, "Oh my god." Please stop. Remove your <laughs> penis. Okay, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Remove your penis? That shit had to be raw. I'm sorry. That shit had to be raw. And then it wound up like, in the medicine cabinet. Yeah. The yeah. The Museum of Natural History. <laughs> Got some fingernails. Hey, and Zingus. Oh, God. No, I mean, I, I really, I mean, I final thoughts as far as, like, you know, um, going into my review, honestly, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, the only thing that, that I can really think of is like, you know, and maybe this is off topic. I don't know. I know Erica would respect it. Um, she is our occult aficionado. Um, but you know, a fl- the fly is basically like religious, you know, if you're looking into religious aspects of this, uh, Beelzebub is yes. the Lord flies. And, you know, and, and, you know, and that's interesting and all that, but, you know, for me, like when I think flies, I think corpses and because I'm in, you know, I'm a true crime fucking nut and, um, you know, the flies lay their eggs inside of corpses, which is, you know, the, and the maggots, you know, eat the, eat the, the corpse. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I'm going off on a tangent. I, I'm on my fourth beer. I'm rambling. <laughs> Um, I'm pulling, doing Candy's job for. Ah, fuck. <laughs> Those are my final thoughts. Okay, uh, Miko, you have any final thoughts before we do reviews? Just one real quick one, because again, this is all going to leak into the reviews anyway. But now knowing what we know from the Fly 2, how 
that movie ended, I wonder what would have happened had this have maybe had a similar ending. And maybe it was Stathis that was used for that to help for that scene instead. I, I, I've always often kind of wondered, could could there have been a happy ending for this? I don't Although, think it would have mattered as much. It, you know, wouldn't have been it wouldn't have held the same spirit as the right. I know, but I but I think you know. I, but I often wonder just because like I the, the thing is is like those those two are so likable that like you want them like I, that's why I said like you want them to have like that happily ever after and you you don't get it with this and and I get that that makes the movie more impactful. That's brilliant. We've all given some final thoughts. It's time for reviews. I'm gonna go first. Um, I think like this entire conversation, I've been reviewing this film, so it's my review will not come as a surprise. And it's been a while. I've realized like the last millions of movies I've done, I have had this score. And I'm just like, it is. I said what I fucking said. I stand by it. So 10 out of 10 shredded Jeff Goldblum's. Um, it's such it was such a confusing movie to me at, when I was younger because I thought he was super attractive and then he gets so disgusting, but I'm still kind of, I still love him like Veronica does. Like, until the point where he he's like, you know, like hurting her. But, um, you know, that's, I think that's the line. But, you know, it, it's just sort of like you fall in love with him and he's really hot and he's like nerdy. And I mean, he's just like, you know, it's it's uh, my, my taste in men, I guess. Um, My taste in women is something different, but... Yeah, I, I just, uh, this this is one of those films, like I said, uh, uh, for the third time I will say it, um, when you talk about this, the, the title, you don't think of the original 50s film, you think of this, and that's when you do something right. Um, and Or unless it's the, the damn kids today who haven't heard of the original, looking at you children. Um, like, yeah, there was there was a different it movie. It wasn't just these ones. Um, you know, stuff like that. But no, 10 out of 10, because... Cronenberg had something special. I know he's a dick in person, but he is he had a, a special quality that he could bring and and was just known as the body horror king. He, you know, got, uh, you know, Chris Wallace, who, who did this and also simultaneously was doing the Gremlins 2 movie just because they thought it would be a challenge. I'm like, damn, flex a little bit, but um, like, but it was all for good. I mean, like Gremlins too. That's a whole topic that I don't want to talk about, but um, can't ignore the effects. But uh, yeah, the the effects in this, I don't, you know, when we heard the shitty reviews, we heard that the gore was unnecessary and overdone. And I think if we would have pulled back even a little bit, we wouldn't have the powerful impact. It is indeed very much the part of the story, and and that's also Harkening back to the classic, it is indeed one of the big cruxes. Like, what movie would we get if if we didn't have these effects and this gore? Because, uh, you know, the deterioration that we have in this film is so important. You can look at it as symbolic. But, you know, I just hearken it to the, the short lifespan of the fly um, itself. Uh, but, yeah, it could be so many things to so many different people. And, that again, that's you doing something right. Um when you can take it and get like, you know, talk to a, a group full of 20 people and everybody's going to give you a different answer because it means something different to them. Um, but yeah, whatever you bring to that. And there's just, there's some psychology. There's, there's, there's so many things going on in this cast was perfect. Uh, direction was great. Uh, it, it did feel operatic. Um, it literally played out like an opera and operas are tragedies. We can go back to Greek tragedies, but yeah, I mean, like it, it honored the original 
which is what I need from a remake for me to pass it, but did its own fucking thing. So, so therefore I have two movies I can love, you know, with the same title. And, um, yeah, you know, so I agree with what Nico said early in the conversation. Like you can't talk about this movie without talking about the thing. And the thing is, is, there's just the gold standard in remakes. We don't have that now. When they remake shit, they want to throw a bunch of CGI and crap and change the story too, too much so it doesn't really relate. Like, ah, oh, we're going to scrap that because, you know, you have to keep a little bit. You have to keep the heart You have to, to make this work. If we're going to reanimate this movie, you have to keep the heart. And the heart is there. And the tragedy is there. And everything is there. So, yeah. Townsend shredded Jeff Goldblum's. And I'm, I'm going to echo that, and I'm going to give this 10 out of 10 arm wrestling disasters. <laughs> and and I literally wrestled with that um, rating because I, I wasn't – initially wasn't going to give this 10 out of 10, but the more we talked about it – and th- this has become a recurring theme. The more that we talked about it, the more I got hyped and the more I thought about you know the special effects in this film. And that's literally what sells this for me. Now, the casting is fantastic. Um, I definitely could not see it. I would like to see a Willem Dafoe version of this, but you know, uh, with a, with a John Travolta or a a Michael Keaton, I don't, you know, Michael Keaton, maybe with Tim Burton, that'd be different, but Mm -hmm. um, the casting in this was great. The score was great. Um, The special effects in this were phenomenal. Uh, All around, just a great fucking film and definitely, you know, top five in film remakes up there with the thing and Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm, what? I, the? I was just throwing I, that out there. I, I, I saw. I saw Nico's face. Did you? I just. You didn't see mine. I was no. like, I, I have to kill this man now. I'm so sorry. He. Oh, uh, nice knowing you, Sean. I put him Good. in. I put him in the hydraulic press. It's, yeah. Yeah. Twice. I just wanted to. I just wanted to make sure you guys were paying attention. Um. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal fucking film. Uh. Definitely deserve 10 out of 10 arm wrestling disasters. Okay, Nico. All right, to quote the man himself, because this is exactly how he would rate it. This gets, uh, out of a possible 10 Goldblums, this gets 10 Goldblums. This movie is fucking perfection. Um, and to go back to that, I don't know if you guys ever saw his um, rating the uh, Jeff Goldblum tattoo videos on YouTube, where people get tattoos of Jeff Goldblum from like different movies of The Fly or Jurassic Park or Independence Day. And he's like rating them out of how many gold blooms it would get. So that's why I picked that to kind of echo yours. Um, <clears throat> I'll send that in the chat too, so you guys can watch that later for your and it's because it's funny as shit. But nice. I mean, come on, we've already talked about it. There's not much more we could say. This movie's fucking perfection. Um, you know, I mean, it, it basically boils down to a cast of three because it really is only three fucking people that are the the your your primary you know focal focal points in the movie yeah there's some side characters like Tony from the bar and Marky that gets his fucking wrist broken literally yeah <laughs> during the arm wrestling scene and Cronenberg with his little cameo um but you know John Gatz doesn't get enough love I think for this movie is that this I think he he really he really brought brought the thunder with that. Gina Davis is fucking gold. I mean, this was a star-making performance for her. I mean, she went on to win the Oscar like a year later or two years later with the Accidental Tourist. And then, again, she's in my favorite movie of her is A League of Their Own, which, honestly, I think out of all the baseball movies, it's tied for number one with The Sandlot as the best baseball movies ever made. 
It's not the natural one. It's not a fucking Field of Dreams. It's a League of Their Own and the Sandlot. I was like, Field of Dreams, really? No. Mm. No. I mean, it's good, but it's not a League of Their Own good. It's not Sandlot good. I mean, it's you know, daddy whatever. issues good. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess it's 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 a uh, drunk on a Sunday afternoon in your recliner drinking like you know Keystone Light. Good, I guess, but whatever. Eh. Um, <laughs> and and to be to be fair, I mean that that summer of '92 when League of Their Own came out, that's when like all the shitty movies came out. That was the only good movie that came out that summer too. To be honest with you, the '90s um, were kind of a dry spell on movies. The, the early, yeah. 92 was like the worst summer, even with Batman Returns. I know everybody loves Burton, but that movie sucks. I'm sorry. No, no, I love was... Batman Returns. No, it's it's just, it's enough. No, no. <laughs> Don't get her started. But anyway, I, I digress. I digress. Um, And of course, this is really what catapulted Jeff Goldblum into not just cult status, but also his iconic status that he's in now. I mean, the guy's doing, he does rare convention appearances. And I know everybody's had a, a wonderful experience with him. I have yet to meet him. He's one that I would like go out of my way to go meet at a, at a convention if he's ever nearby one. Yeah. Um, you know, thank, thanks to this, we got the iconic Dr. Ian Malcolm because I mean, Jeff Goldman always had that knack for being cast as like the nerdy scientist, the mathematician. Yeah, what was he? A math, what was he? A, ma- a mathematician in fucking Jurassic park. Like I've read the book and like, I could, Chaos. chaos. Well, he says chaostician, but he's a mathematician, right. right? Really, but even in the book, like I all I could picture was Jeff Goldblum when I read it. Re- like, like we read so it recently. Like so hot, <laughs> like and, the hot nerdy guy. That's who he like, is. But but and, so and you know what though, hot. I'm so I'm so glad that that he's coming back in the new in the new one next year. The Dominion, Jurassic World, Dominion. They got the original three back for this, so like I'm actually kind of glad they're all coming back for that. Um. What else did we get him in uh, Independence Day, which uh, I, I I get it, but he's he's like the best part of the fucking movie. Ragnarok. I think him and Will Smith. I hate that fucking and fucking movie. Ragnarok, dude, like fucking Grand the Grandmaster. He's fucking great in that. He's basically Jeff Goldblum in space in that Goldblum, fucking right. movie. It's just Jeff Goldblum in space. Like he was, listen, he was he's so good in that. Even I know we don't talk about the Marvel, and we we tried not to, but even during Guardians two, he shows up during like the end as the credits are rolling. He's not even in the fucking movie, and Jeff Goldblum shows up because it's Jeff fucking Goldblum. Yeah. He doesn't have like to play the, another role. He could just be himself all the time. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and and um, he even showed up during the end. He's the last scene in Ragnarok after, like, you know, they set up uh, Endgame or Infinity War, but but the last scene you see is fucking Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum having an orgy in the fucking spaceship being Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> so, I mean, birthday. yeah, like... Uh, <laughs> I mean, how do you get much more better than fucking Jeff Goldblum? I don't think you can. No, no, it's impossible. There's, there's really not much. I mean, I even like him in that movie Nine Months, and that movie kind of sucks, but he's fucking great in it because it's yeah, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, that movie sucks ass, but yeah, he, it's Jeff Goldblum. I mean, if Jeff Goldblum's in it, I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> point, point blank. I mean, I don't care what it is. I mean, realistically, I mean, really, are you gonna, are you not gonna watch it, Candy? Um. I love Jeff Goldblum. I think that speaks for itself. So there, there you go. I just, I just hope that when the new Jurassic World comes out, that he's in it, that he has the fucking dark glasses again. And his shirt undone. <laughs> well, that, that for you, yeah. I mean, for me. Actually, I think he's, he's still in tip-top shape. It looks like too, from what I oh, see yeah. on that, he, that he's, Disney Plus show that he hosts. Whipcord shape, yeah. Like, take that shirt off. Take those quirky little sweaters. You know what off. though? You know what though? I always feel like I feel like that was always the missed opportunity for him. Like in the '90s when they were doing all those those, you know, like the Joel Schumacher Batman's. I think he would have been a good scarecrow. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't. I don't initially. They wanted Howard Stern, but like, I'm just saying. Like, I think he would have been fucking perfect. Art man, really? Yeah, he was the choice. He was the first choice, but I think Goldblum would have been the better scarecrow. Yeah. So if we could, if we could quit talking about Jeff Goldblum for a little bit, um, it's getting a little hot in here. And oh, all right. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised Candy didn't bring up the scene when he's in his tidy whiteies eating fucking ice cream in that scene. Because well, I have a thing about tidy whiteies. I think they're stupid. <laughs> yeah, but no I mean, I'm sure he could pull that off. Tidy whiteies. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you were wearing tidy whiteies, grow up, get some boxers, be a man. Well, ladies, in case you're wondering, it's 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 boxers for the for this guy right here well, with the for, with the liquid sex voice. So you know. it is, but like. Like there's actually a kink and and don't ask me how I learned this is really embarrassing, um but some people have a, a kink uh for guys in tidy whiteies and I'm like oh like that makes me oh. go like little boys like oh like that's gross see that that makes yeah. me like the the guy the people with like baby fetishes who like Ugh. like wear diapers and want to be treated like babies okay that's well he doesn't listen to this show yeah. anyway but it was it's my brother my brother was talking about his his uh kink for uh the, it's a thing. There's a kink for everything about guys with tidy whiteies. And I was like, I gotta go. This conversation is now over. <laughs> well, there was, there was that. God has left the chat. But yeah, um, this is honestly, and, and I'll end it with this. If if I if I didn't see American Werewolf in London first, this probably would have been my all-time favorite horror movie. It's that fucking good. Um, any anybody that that's ever trying to do a remake of any horror movie obviously carpenter's thing and this should be your your go-to your bible for how you want to properly do a remake to a horror movie that that's already a classic it's hard to mention one without the other it really is and and again i i I like seesaw battle with both because like there's some days i'm like oh you know the you know john carpenter and then on other days i'm like well cronenberg's like it's it's such a like they're they're so neck and neck and they're both perfection that it's just hard to pick one over the other but 10, I'm going to call them again, a possible 10 gold blooms out of 10 for this movie. It's perfection. Awesome. Uh, Crystal? Um, I'm going to give this 8 out of 10 ears falling off the brundle claw. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was 5 when I saw this originally. So, I mean, it didn't grasp me like it grasped everybody else. Um, I still respect it tremendously. But... Um, the special effects are amazing. Chris Wallace had, has said, he's gone on record and said, if his name would not have been put first in the trailer, like in the credits, he would not have gotten that Academy Award. And um, he totally deserves the Academy Award for this. Those special effects are absolutely amazing. Uh, I think this was just a perfect storm of, of the perfect cast for this movie at a great time. Uh just for me, especially with the um, uh, projecting fluid from the body, it just made me think of you can't do that on television. So, <laughs> yeah. so I got to go with the eight out of ten ears falling off the brundle fly. Okay, uh, Dave. I'm also going to give it eight out of ten, and I just want to say, like, I, I've tried to resist the pressure to up my score because I know everybody loves this movie, but. It's just, uh, it's too gross for me. It's just too much. I'm not a big fan of body horror. And the whole thing with him, like, transforming, it reminds me of going through puberty. And I did it once. And I don't want to, you know what? It was, like, like I have on my notes, like, who doesn't have weird hairs growing out of their back? You know? Like, you know? Right. 
But I, I love this movie. I love and I love Jeff Goldblum. It's a little bit gross for me. So I'm going to give it eight out of ten dissolved donuts because if I could dissolve donuts to liquid and suck them up like he does, I would do that. <laughs> it's just a little bit. It's a little bit much. I'm not a huge fan of Cronenberg, although I recognize his brilliance. His thing is not my thing. The, the whole it's just fleshy bits and fluids and penetration and just makes me all weird and, and feel all There's weird. There's a lot of Freudian psychology right there. Yeah, and I don't need that in my head. I've got enough shit in my head, you know, thanks anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but I recognize this. Um, I do love the original. I, I'm, I'm a little loyal to the original because I'm of that age. Yeah, but, well, yeah, but you're going about the original, I promise you. Yeah. Goldblum is a treasure. He really is a treasure. He, he's he's the nerd that... He's the nerd that all nerdy guys like me want to be, like with our shirts off, all cut and ripped, and doing that thing he does in like Jurassic Park. Yeah. We all, we all want to be Goldblum. Yeah. His wife is the exact same age as I am. So they're 30 years apart. Who's he married to? Emile Livingston. I have to look that up. Yeah, she was a gymnast. <laughs> okay, I'll well, explain oh. something. Yeah. Well, he was oh, a gymnast Gina in Davis, this movie. Gina Davis, <laughs> Gina Davis, a goddess in um, The Long Kiss Goodnight, one of my uh, favorite action movies. Yeah. Well, she was a goddess in that. Super underrated duck. movie. It's not a dick, it's a duck. Love that yeah. one. Love that movie. Well, I was hoping for a perfect 10, but I, I totally recognize um, you guys' uh, reviews, and I, I see, you know, it's not for everyone, but at least you're not, like, one-starring it because it's gross, you know, like, you guys can get past that and see the brilliance, and, you know, so, like, yeah, we're all valid here, so that's cool. It's um, a very gooey movie. Mm. It, it, it feels like it's sticky, yeah. sticky. I want to get the I want to get the sanitary wipes out and just wipe the whole movie down. <laughs> I want to wipe myself down. No, okay. One thing I... <laughs> One thing I do want to say about Cronenberg, like Videodrome is such a fucked up movie. Oh my god, and James yes. fuck, fuck James, James Woods. Woods. That's that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> fuck James Woods. And his chest vagina. I don't need yes. that. I don't need that. Yeah, like do we have to get like even more Freudy in there? And, like, <laughs> and see, and that's that's the way I feel like like just fuck James Woods. Like but that's, that's why all I, I don't like John Carpenter's because vampires because Rob, fucking... Rob and I Rob and I talk about John Carpenter's vampires and we both absolutely love that movie. But fuck James Woods. And see, that's my problem with John Carpenter's vampires. You notice it's never on the schedule. And I love vampires, but I can't get past James Woods. No, I can't. I, I, hear it. Yeah. I didn't like him before there was a reason to not like him. I just never liked the dude. <laughs> Okay, like I maybe it was just like my my fucking precog or something like no fuck this guy and, and it's not the kind of vampires I wanted to see you know whatever we could discuss that at some other time but actually we won't because I'm never fucking doing that movie yeah um, we could, Rob and I no, can do no I yeah, love James you guys can do your and, guys things that you never fucking schedule um miss scheduling I, myself over here schedules all kinds of shit. I love James Woods in Casino because he gets his fucking ass kicked. I, no, you're, you're right. I do enjoy that. Yeah. He gets his shit kicked out of him, which he, yeah. what he needs. Yeah. And Joel Bob's in that. Yes, yes. he is. Wait, As wait. A sort of a hick, kind of a big, oh, gee, I'm sorry, mister. You know, he's just a big kind of dumb hick. Yeah, yeah. I, well, when um, Joe Bob and I exchanged some letters back in the day, which is what I referenced when we met him, um, 
we talked about him being in casino because I was like just writing anything I could think of because I just, just I, I really adore Joe Bob. And I was like, I really liked you in casino. And he talked about it and he's like, you like that? And I was like, yeah, you know, because we had a couple letters and that was like a really important part of my life. Like Joe Bob saved me. So I can always I have to love Joe Bob always. Joe and, Bob. And then meeting him um, was was everything I could have dreamed of. I, I mean, despite the heat, despite everything else, he he's such a sweetheart. And he, he hugged me so tight, and I needed that because I have daddy issues. Um, so, yeah. And, and Sean's going to be on the show tomorrow with David Gordon Green. So. Yeah. But Jason the Blum. Halloween, yeah, the yeah, Halloween Hootenanny, Jason, Jason Blum, Blum and um, David Gordon Green are going to be on there Joe. tomorrow. So. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to take this opportunity before we head into plugs to talk about what's coming up. Uh, we are just about done with this really long season of season four. We've done a lot. And we actually lost about five or so episodes that are that are missing. So we actually had more episodes that would have already been out. And we still have probably about seven sitting there waiting to be uh, now probably eight from this one. So we're going to get these out to you as soon as we can. Um we got two of us editing. But coming up, we're going to be doing Intruder. That was uh, a suggestion. Uh, we've got Reanimator, which uh, I just was on another podcast that came out the other day where I talked about Reanimator. But I saved some for this show. Um, some stuff. And I've got, I've got some Jeffrey Combs stories, too. Oh, I okay. can't wait. Um, that I can't talk about. Uh, we're going to do uh, we're going to go a little classic because we're starting to get more classics and we're going to do the birds. Um, we're going to do the American version of The Grudge. There's a reason I picked the American one. We will talk about that on the episode. Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Um, we're going to be doing They Live, which uh, we had to postpone be- due to my surgery and uh, subsequent hard recovery. I still feel like I'm recovering from that. Um our last school's night out is audition and I'll stop there because we have a couple more, but then we go on break for the holidays and we'll be back with season five uh, and when the new year starts after everybody gets to the holidays. So yeah. And I'll just do my plugs first, get those out of way. Uh, everything is in my link tree, which is link tree slash candy, the final girl. You're going to find uh, the house of screams uh, Twitter account, which is at house underscore screams. If you don't feel like going to my link tree, I also, uh, a lot of people have Patreon. Patreon's too hard for me to figure out. So there are some things that we need to do to update this show. So I have added a donation link. Like you could give like a dollar, but we need to uh, migrate to something beyond free Skype, which is why we don't always have the best audio um, and some equipment upgrades. So anything that you can give, we're just going to give you back in a better show. Um, more things for you. So definitely check out my link tree. You'll also find Instagram where I do really fun stuff with uh, every episode that we do. And if you care about makeup and shit like that, you know, uh, I'm I'm a girly, like, you know, horror person. I I'm, I love being a woman and I love being feminine and girly, but I love horror. Grosser, the better. Um, So, yeah, that's I'll just go to my link tree. And I will I'll tag on to what she was talking about. Um, we are also going to get some stickers and some T-shirts um, thrown together in the future. Yes. So uh, um, we'll have those hopefully readily available soon. Um, I'm Sean of the Dead. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean of the Dead. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, 
Robin Mack, who could not be here tonight. We um, miss you, bros. They are uh, the Action Drunkies, and they also have their own separate shows, All-Star Animes for Mack and Wrath uh, of Stay for um, Jason Statham fans. Um, from Rob. From Rob. And um, and shout out to Erica, who is in Russia working with uh, Andre Iskanov. Don't spell it. Um, yeah. Don't <laughs> God, that's an old thing. joke. I just unearthed an old joke. Right. But, but but they're they're out in Russia and they were doing some filming and some scouting. And um, I would like to shout out my comrades. Um, Miss in you. Yeah. Miss you, Erica, Miss you so much. And and thank you to everybody listening. Um, you guys are awesome. Uh, if you can donate, uh, that would be fantastic. It just helps us get a better show. And we're going to do more things with it. So it's not like we're doing it for like to put in our pockets. It's going to go right back to you. Yeah. And and to anybody who's interested and wants to come on the podcast, um, we're always looking for new voices uh, to come on, talk about a film. Um, don't be shy. Yeah, um, and, and on all of our socials, you're going to be reaching out to me, and I'm pretty easy to talk to. I do shut up sometimes. Um, sometimes. Sometimes. It, it's rare. But I'm actually a good listener. Like, if you if only, I only say, sometimes. Andy, I need you to listen, I will listen. I will shut the fuck up. Okay, um, so I will shut the fuck up now. And, and Nico, what do you got? Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Horror. The boss. And you can find Doc. Um, links to everybody on here. My link tree is linktree.com slash the real Nico Nice. Um, again, shout out to Rob and Mac, the action junkies. Uh, you know, we, we miss you guys, and this would have been a lot more more fun of you know to have like like their their two cents put into this. It would have been kind of interesting to see what Rob, especially Rob, would have yeah, said about this. Rob. Movie. I know he, um, he was sorry to miss. And um, I'm I'm looking forward to our little special event that we're that we're planning. Yeah, I I didn't want to say what it was because uh. By the time they hear this, it will have already happened. Right, but I'm I'm really I'm really excited for that one. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to do because mm-hmm. it's something that that we really haven't done before. We're always trying new things, guys. We love you, listeners. Again. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Crystal. You got anything? Um, if if one finds out where you can get two baboons, you can also find me <laughs> if you find Dave. Yeah, was, we were wondering that and being like, where, where he just got two baboons, I guess. He just has them laying around, you know, you go to Target or something. <laughs> he probably had an R&D grant. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was funny. There was a couple of baboons just hanging around. <laughs> okay, uh, Dave, you want to go anywhere? Yeah, else? just uh, I, I, uh, Mac and Rob and Erica. Uh, specifically Erica, I don't know what it is, but when, uh, when it's these really weird psychological shit, I want Erica here. Because she always seems to know, like, how to, like, frame it in a way that makes sense where I don't have to like be in my own head figure out how weird I am. I tried to do and, my and best. And, and plus, uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Son. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say that's the thing. Erica is the, the psychologist and yeah. Andy is the sociologist. So that's why our ghouls night out works. And Crystal, you got to join us on one of those, our feminist reviews. Sure. Cause we, we, we don't let the, the men in there cause they no uterus, no opinion, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, but yeah, we get really deep and, and we come from different places. So I've got the sociology. She's got the psychology and we do really fun shit with it. So, yeah. Plus, so we're like counterparts. She, but I she, did try to speak for Erica tonight. She she probably would have dropped a hot take on this, too. And like, oh, and drop oh. the mic. Like, like yeah, I would bomb. love to hear your opinion on this shirtless gold. Like one. a CM yeah, Punk pipe bomb on this oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I miss everyone who's not here. Love the show. Love the fans. Thank you for listening. And uh, and since Rob's not here, I'm going to say it. Just be kind to each other. Absolutely. If nothing else, be, be kind. kind. If nothing else, be kind. It don't cost nothing. That's right. Yeah. You never know what somebody else is going through. I always like that quote, you know, yeah, and, and they, something to keep in your mind. Yeah. And they might have a knife. So be nice to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my cat has a knife. That's a joke. But no shit. We always talk about. It's a. Lo- I won't explain the joke That's right like, now. I think he has a knife. <laughs> like I don't need claws. I got this fucking knife and I'm gonna stick. <laughs> I think he's a psychopath, serial killer. But he's stuck in a little cat buddy. Um, but he loves me too. So he's like got mommy issues. He was a Brad Dorf. He just transformed into the the wrong body. Yeah. day do we jumble? Why haven't we talked about Child's Play? Oh, because we're doing it next season. Okay. Um, but, yeah, thank you guys so much for tonight. This was such a joy to uh, talk about a film that I love so much and with people who, you know, know what they're talking about and respect and love this. And, you know, even if we always don't agree, uh, the love is there. And thank you guys so much for your time. And, Thanks, and thank you, listeners. So love you guys so much. You. Thank you. Have a good night. Good night. Love you guys. Take care. Good night. Good night. Good night.